Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. Let's just pray right now as we enter into his presence. Come on. He's already in this place today. I believe it. Come on. Grab somebody's hand around you. Just bow your heads and let's just focus and meditate on the presence of God. Father, we magnify your name. Father, we give you the highest praise. There is none like you. In all the earth, Father God, there is none like you. None worth my attention right now more than you, God. Not a friend, not a person sitting next to me. No one is worth the attention I can give to you right now, Father, as you speak your will into my life. As you speak your word into my life, God, that I might be good soil that your seed would fall on and it would bear fruit, God, and it would multiply. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, open our hearts, open our minds to receive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a believer, I believe the most misunderstood topic within the body of Christ is the topic of worship. Somebody say worship. I want to spend the next three weeks talking to you about your worship, amen? There's three types of worship for the believer. One is worship with music. Secondly is worship in your servitude to God. And third is the worship in your own personal prayer closet. Amen? Over the course of the next three weeks, I want to dive into each one of those topics. I want to start today with worship with music. Somebody say music. I think it's misunderstood in the body of Christ that worship with music is necessary. When I was at the age of 11 years old, I took over the GVA Praise and Worship team. That was about 15 years ago. I played by myself and sang with two singers for the better part of 14 years, 13 years. Until around when I was 22 years old, Pastor Philip Pimlock came from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I had been praying for a drummer. I had been praying for a bass player, for musicians. And he went to my cousin, Daniel. And he went to my cousin, Elias. And he put Elias behind a drum set. He taught him a basic beat and said, you're a drummer. Go be a drummer. They took Daniel, put a bass guitar in his hands, showed him a couple simple notes and said, you're a bass player. And be a bass player. And so that week we went out and we bought a bass within a couple of weeks. We went and bought a drum set within a couple of weeks. And we practiced every day at least six to seven hours. On Saturdays we would practice for 15 hours at a time. I kid you not, I lived two blocks away. We would practice, go home and fight, practice and come back, go home and fight, argue. I told them how much they sucked and I meant it. How horrible they were. I didn't know how to be a teacher at that time. And so we fought, we argued, but what you see today on this altar is a product of a heart after God. If there's one thing I know how to do better than be a pastor, and that's to worship God. Worship is just a part of me. I realize the importance of worship. Worship is more than just song. I believe if you can grasp the definition of worship, you would be able to serve God a lot better in your life. It's beyond just words. It's beyond just music. I believe when we taint worship, it drags our entire existence down as believers. And the reason some of you might struggle in your personal life with Christ is because you can't grasp the idea of worship. And when you can't connect with God via worship, you can't connect with God just walking down the street doing nothing. Anybody here with me today? I believe that that as a Christian does not know, if we don't know how to worship God in church and outside of church, we become weak in the faith. So what is worship? Worship is, is many things, but what is the true definition of worship? And over the course of three weeks, we're going to look at what worship is. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. Somebody say, Lord, teach me to worship. I might step on somebody's shoes today. I might step on your toes. But I intend to educate you on what the process of worship is before God. What does God do? What does God think about your worship? What does God think about what you do? Amen. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. 
It declares this, and you're following along with me, please. I'm going to read all the way from verse 6 to verse 14. Somebody tell your neighbor, put your seatbelts on. And God's telling Malachi this. He says, isn't it true, and I'm reading from the message version, that a son honors his father and a worker his master? If so, I'm your father, where's my honor? God says this, if I'm your master, where's the respect? God of the angel armies is calling you on the carpet. You priests despise me. You say, not so, God. How do we despise you? By your shoddy, sloppy, defiling worship. You ask me, what do you mean defiling? What is defiling about my worship? Verses 7 and 8. When you say the altar of God is not important anymore. When you say worship of God is no longer a priority that is defiling. And when you offer worthless animals and sacrifices in worship, animals you're trying to get rid of, blind and sick, crippled animals, isn't that defiling me? Try a trick like that with your banker or with your senator. How far do you think that will get you? For I am God of the angel armies and I ask you. Verse 9, God declares this, a powerful, powerful scripture. He says, get on your knees and pray that I will be gracious to you. You priests have gotten everyone in trouble with this kind of conduct. You think I'll pay attention to you? God of the angel armies ask you. Why doesn't one of you just shut the temple doors and lock them? Then none of you can get in and play religion with this silly, empty-headed worship. I am not pleased. God of the angel armies is not pleased. And I don't want any more of your so-called worship. He said, I am honored all over the world, and there are people who know how to worship me all over the world who honor me by bringing their best to me. They're saying it everywhere. God is greater, this God of the angel armies, all except you. Instead of honoring me, you profane me. You profane me when you say worship is not important, and we bring worship, or rather, what we bring worship to you is of no account. And when you say, I'm bored, this doesn't do anything for me. You act so superior, sticking your noses in the ear. Act superior to me, God of the angel armies. And when you do offer something to me, it's a hand-me-down or a broken worship, and it is useless to me. Do you think I'm going to accept it? And he ends it by saying, this is God speaking to you. He said, I am God of the angel armies. I'm feared and respected worldwide, yet he is not pleased with the worship of his people. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says, listen, you are a royal priesthood. Amen. You're chosen by God to bring worship. Instead of honoring me, he says, you profane me. He is feared and respected worldwide. People worship him worldwide. You see, in 1 Peter, and even in the old biblical times, the priest were the keepers of the temple. Say it with me. The priests priest were the keepers, were the keepers of, the of the temple. And so as keepers of the temple, they were the worshipers of the temple. Amen. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil in the temple was torn. The Bible says the presence of God left the temple. And now the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so you are the priest of your body. In biblical times, the, the worship said that they would have to bring a pure, perfect animal before the Lord. But they were bringing sick animals. Animals with horrible diseases and animals that were not worthy of a sacrifice to God. How many of you know sometimes your worship is not worthy of God? The word worship means the worth-ship of God in English. Meaning how much you worship and how you worship is what dictates to you personally how worthy and how much worth God has in your eyes. Amen? Amen. I know that was a very tough scripture, and so I'd like to lighten the mood before we go forward. Have you ever wondered what God hears when you sing in church? Anybody? I always used to wonder what God thinks about our worship, and so I have some people who I think it might help you see where we're going with this message of worship. Somebody say, Lord, teach me to worship. I will sing of your love. 
scripture like that, I had to do something to make you smile. Somebody said, I ain't going straight to hell. You got to admit, that was funny. But the funnier part is sometimes that's how we worship God. Out of routine. Out of just, you know, I came, God's lucky I came. All these ideas we have. Number one, the reason we worship. Somebody say, why do we worship? The Bible commands us to worship through music. Many people, the concept of worship is foreign to us. The idea of getting up, clapping your hands, singing songs, let alone dancing, is not appealing to you. You don't see the point. You feel uncomfortable or maybe have some other reasons and questions before God. Well, today the Bible commands us, we're telling you, to worship God. Psalms 150, it says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and a flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. And praise him with the resounding cymbal. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you have breath, tell your neighbor, you should praise the Lord. If you have breath, the moment you walk through those doors, there should be a praise and a song on your lips. Not a seat under your butt, but a... Nah, I'll just leave it alone. Just, there's got to be worship in you. Many of you walk in bondage because you know not the power of worship, but I'll get to that. Psalms 33, verse 1, David writes, sing joyfully, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise God. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music unto him with a ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Somebody shout for joy. Words like pray, play, shout, and sing are not words that are dead, but they are words that are alive and have action. And your worship should not be dead. Rather, it should be alive for God. It should not just be the same old hymns or coritos. It should be a new song. For the Bible says he's put a new song in my heart, not a stale old song that I sing for 20 years, but it's a cliche, and I never changed my life. Psalms 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Psalms 90, verse 1. You getting this today? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord who? All the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. For great is the Lord and worthy of praise. It amazes me how many times I've seen a praise and worship leader reduced to being a cheerleader because folks don't know how to worship God. And I got to say, lift your hands, praise God, shout unto God. But yet the Bible says that it is not an option. It is a command to worship the Lord. Don't be offended. Be convicted. Psalms 98 verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. Has he done something marvelous in your life? You ought to sing to God. Has he ever saved your life? You ought to sing to God. You ought to give him the respect he is worthy of and at least stand in his presence when we're honoring him. Psalms 144 verse 9. I will put a new song to you, God says. Oh, the ten-string lyre, I will make music to you. 
The psalmist says, I will, I will, not if I might, not if I'm in the mood, not if things are okay, not if my situation dictates that I'm happy before God. He just says, I will. Why? Because, God, you're worthy of everything in my life. Even when I don't see you as worthy, God, you're worthy. And my worship dictates the worthiness of God in mine eyes. And so I should try to outdo myself every time I enter God's presence. Psalms 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praises in the assembly of the saints, meaning church. Isaiah 42, 10. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praises from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea, all that is in it, you islands, those who live in them, praise ye the Lord. The theme here is to sing God a new song, to praise him, to worship him. Many times we say we love praise and worship, but do you love it because how it makes you feel or how it makes the Lord feel? First Chronicles 16:9, sing to him, sing praises to him, and tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalms 13, 6. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Amen. It's not to make you sound good, but it's because God is good. God is worthy. Psalms 27, 6. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice, not with animals, with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. God understands sometimes worship is a sacrifice. You don't feel like it. You're not in a good mood. Somebody say worship is a sacrifice. Listen to this, Psalm 47, 5. God has ascended amid the shouts of joy. The Lord, amid the sounding of trumpets, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. Psalms 66, verse 2 says, sing to the Lord. Sing glory to his name and make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are you in your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Psalms 89.1. I will sing of the Lord's great goodness forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. Second Samuel 6.14. David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all of his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and sounds of the trumpets. I don't, it's, it's, it's funny to me that when we see someone like Pastor Carmen in the front dancing and you're watching her from afar off. Wow, she's radical for God. No, that's normal. What you call radical, God calls entry level Christianity. Anybody here with me today? Psalms 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing and music to him with the tambourine and the harp. Over 122 times, scripture says that we should sing to the Lord. Over 35 times, we are told to praise him in some form, some fashion, some format. Scripture declares if we don't praise God, the rocks will cry out his name. The very trees of the field will clap their hands in the breeze of the wind. The Bible says all of the earth gives God glory as the sun rises to him every morning and it down, at the end it bows down to him every night. God is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. You should sing before him. You should dance before him. It does not say sit before him and stare before him. It says shout with joy. It does not say be quiet. It does not say mutter and murmur. It says declare the goodness of God in the land of the living over 122 times entry level Christianity is worship through music one of the first things you can do as a Christian when you give your life to God is come in and join in the worship service you have become a consumer of worship rather than a producer of worship and God has not called us to be consumers but to be producers of worship I can go on for days of why to worship, but the reason is clear. Scripture commands us to worship the Lord. In biblical times, worship was with animals. They brought animals for the Lord, but realized that Jesus was the last sacrifice that was ever needed before God. He took your place, and now all you have to do to worship him is lift your hands, surrender your heart. 
We do God no justice to sing traditional hymns and repetitious coritos and songs. For as the Bible declares, those are hand-me-down worships, and God does not desire it. He doesn't want a repetitious broken record singing the same things every day, day in and day out. But God desires that you would worship him with a broken heart, a repentant mind, and that you would give him the highest praise. For God is worthy of your praise. And if you think God is not worthy, you have another thing coming. For he is the best-selling author of all time. His book has no chance of losing, so New York Times took his book, the Bible, off of the best-sellers list. He's the only person to ever create a universe with his mouth and use a planet as his footstool. God is worthy of your praise. He's the only person to be the beginning and the end, but have no beginning or no end. God is worthy of your worship. He breathes out planets and, and, uh, and stars from his very nostrils, the Bible says. He's the only being in existence to ever command the moon to borrow light from day. He's the only lifeguard you know that walks on water. He is worthy of your praise. He split the Red Sea wide open with a simple stick. He held the sun still for 24 hours. He's an amazing God. His age alone deserves respect. His word commands it. He is a king like no other. He is a God like there never will be. And you ought to praise God. And you ought to worship him with your mouth. He knows answers to questions you haven't even begun to ponder. At the whisper of his name, nations bow, mountains tremble. This is a mighty, fearsome God. He heals the blind with his spit, and one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a God greater than what you can comprehend. For when I was on death row, he took my place. He's the only blood donor you know that saved all of creation, both past, present, and future, with one blood drive. He's the God worthy of your praise. He's the God worthy of your worship. When you look at his, 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 his life speaks for itself. The very fact that he's eternal commands respect. Commands that you should stand before him and lift your hands before him. Every day. There will come a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God has given you the opportunity once a week to come and practice that. I don't think we realize this. Somebody say worship. Teach me to worship God. I said all that to tell you this. If for one split second you think God's not worthy of your worship, you are highly mistaken. It's about time you walk through church doors and begin to realize the worth of God. Open your heart wide and your mouths even wider. Get out your comfort zone and begin to praise God. Shout to God and worship God. God is worthy of all that you can muster, for there is no God like him. There is no God besides him. There never will be, and this is your one opportunity. I don't need a band. I don't need a music. I don't need nothing. I can worship God in the shower. I can worship God in the solitude of my car. I can worship God when I'm in my office. I can worship God when I'm at the gym. I can worship God while I'm on the treadmill, when I'm on the bench press. I can worship God while I'm playing basketball. I can worship God while I'm using the men's room. I can worship God in everything that I do. Sing to the Lord all the earth. I don't desire to give him a hand-me-down broken worship, let alone sit down and give him nothing. For, for something is better than nothing. Maybe you didn't give him a sick lamb, but when you gave him an unhealthy worship, maybe you didn't tell him that you gave him a, a broken animal, but you couldn't even sing the words of a song to him. A hand-me-down worship. Worship in music is a command, not an option. Singing, clapping, and dancing, and praising before the Lord are the bare minimum. For what you must understand, the greatest thing about worship you can begin to contemplate is worship is the shadow of heaven. In the Bible, it's full of types and shadows. And you see, you see, you see when, when, when Abraham was about to kill his son Isaac, it was kind of a type and shadow of Jesus and the God the Father giving his only son as Abraham was about to do. You see, from my shadow, if I was out in broad daylight, scientists can tell my height, my weight. He can even tell the time of day based on where I'm standing in my shadow. So when you look at the scripture, worship is a shadow of heaven. A shadow tells you a lot. In worship, if you look at Revelations 4 or 5, the scene that John sees in heaven from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling and peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And also before the throne, here you go. There was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne, there were four living creatures. 
and they covered their eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had the face like a man, the fourth was like an eagle. And each of the four creatures had six wings and covered their eyes all around them. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Meaning holy for he who was, holy for he who is, and holy for the God who is to come. God is holy. And they were around the stone worshiping him day and night. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the 24 elders fall down before him who sit on their thrones and worship him. The God who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before him and they cry out, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor for you created all things and by you all things were created. If you look at Isaiah's depiction of heaven in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. If you look at heaven, this is a worship scene like no other. Heaven is a shadow of worship. We can't be in a rush for worship to be over just sitting in a chair looking around. For how will you avoid worship in heaven? Truth is, worship is a prerequisite of heaven. Worship is powerful. Worship is a weapon. It is used to break the bondage of heaviness. Worship unites us with God. In Psalms 22, verse 3, David says, But thou art holy, and you inhabit the praises of your people. I looked at this word inhabit, and in the, in the Hebrew, it's this word yeshab. And this word yeshab, it doesn't just mean that he lives inside of it. It means he marries. It's the Jewish word for marriage. And so it says, in worship, God marries his people. Maybe, that, maybe you missed something there, because when you marry someone, you become one. And so in worship, God perfects you. In worship, God joins you. Everything that is uh, against your mind, it ceases to exist because God comes in and nothing else matters but God. And he marries you in worship. The church is the bride of the Christ. And in worship, we draw nearer to God. God desires to be close to you. When you sing a song to God, it's like singing a love song to God. It expresses the depth of our faith and it makes our hearts open for the word of God. In worship, we come near to God. There are many ways to worship God, but today I focus only on musical worship. Music in and of itself is created by God, designed by God. Satan was the head of all the worshiping angels. In fact, the Bible declares Satan in Isaiah, I believe it's in Isaiah 14. You can look at it on your own time. He was a walking musical masterpiece. You ever thought of God so great, why does he need our worship? There's three types of angels in heaven. And there's three angels that were over them. Maybe you haven't read the Bible like I have. I'll break it down for you. There's Michael, the archangel. He's the warrior prince of heaven. He's in charge of all the warrior angels. For God has an army. God's kingdom is set up like a government. And the army is under Michael, the archangel. And the guardian angels he posts all around you are Michael's angels. You got this so far? Michael is in charge of one-third of all the angels. Then there's Gabriel. He is the messenger angel. Before God's word was written, it was the message from angels. And so every time God had a message, he would send an angel. Gabriel came to Mary, the angel that came to Abraham to tell him, you're going to have a son this time. They were Gabriel's angels. So Gabriel was in charge of one-third of all the angels in heaven. Then you had a, an angel named Lucifer. He was the archangel of praise and worship in heaven. And so the Bible says that Lucifer, he got into praising himself, and he fell and took all the worshiper angels with him. And so the only job opening available in heaven is the worshiper. Because one-third of all the angels fell. And so God created man that we would worship him.
One third of all of heaven fell, and they were the worshipers. And so God was in heaven with only the explicit ones around him worshiping him. And so when he decided that I need more worship, he created man. But this time, he created you with the option of worshiping him because he wanted you to realize his value without him breaking you down. He did not want a robot. He wanted you to understand the greatness of God. He wanted you to understand how good he was. Worship unites you with God. For worship is a shadow of heaven. And when you get to heaven, you're just going to take the place of some fallen angel. What do you think you're going to heaven for? It's not to bake cookies with Christ. We're going to honor God, to worship God. The vast majority of your time... You know how this nowadays we have our eight hours of work? Your job in heaven is going to be to sing to God. I would challenge you to practice while you're here on earth. It just makes sense. There will be no preaching in heaven. There will be no evangelism in heaven. There will be no outreach ministry in heaven. There will be no youth ministry in heaven. There will only be a ministry of worship. Are you getting this? Worship is of the utmost importance. Grasp it now, or you will not be able to get into heaven. For heaven, worship is a requirement. Worship should never be out of just routine. It should never be out of tradition. Yes, earlier the skit was funny. It was humorous. But in reality, when our hearts are not right before God, how many of you know that sometimes you get into the presence of God, you lift your hands, and your mind is everywhere else but the worship? If we could just be honest, as human beings, our minds are constantly flooded with thoughts. And the most times your mind is flooded with thoughts is when you pray, when you read your Bible, or when you worship. Anybody here with me? That's when the devil is really after your mind. And we lift our hands in church. Because we know that's what we should do. But do you lift it saying, God, you're so mighty. God, I am humbled before you. I cannot come in here, Father, just complacent. I cannot come in here, God, with just a mindset that you're just familiar to me. I love the description of our relationship with God, that it's not about religion. It is about relationship that is so true. But by the same token, you have to realize that you're, sometimes that statement reduces God to being your friend rather than being your God. And although God is your friend, he's still God. And you got to treat him with some respect, some reverence. You can't walk into his presence just any old type of way. When God's people begin to praise and worship him using biblical methods, he gives the power of his presence, and his presence comes amongst the people. For Psalms 95, 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Listen to how he said, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. We have to come into God's presence with humility. Coming in his presence with a humble, broken heart saying, God, you're worthy. How many know God is worthy of your worship? These words he uses to describe them are words that should characterize your worship life. When was the last time you got down and kneeled before God's presence during a song? When was the last time you bowed down? Now we write songs that say my heart bows to you so our knees don't have to bow. I went to a Hillsongs concert. I've been to about, I think, four now. Some of the greatest experiences of my life when it comes to worship. Because people you don't even know sitting right next to you, not even concerned about you. Worshiping God, jumping, just get out the way. Worshiping God like you've never seen. 5,000 people, hands lifted up, singing in unison, not worrying about who's around them. I love going to a Christian concert because people who love to worship go. Some of the greatest experiences I've ever experienced in my life. They had, to, they had to tell us before the concert started, listen, you can't jump in the balcony. The building's too old. Probably had close to 1,000 people on the balcony. Just, oh, the building's just too old. But the rest of us, oh, we jumped till our, our legs hurt. There was no question about it. There was no those, those you know, really nervous looking around. You're going to jump? I'm going to jump. Want to praise God with me? You're going to do it? Oh. None of that. From the first chord, the music hit and the place erupted. Not for the band, not for the singers, because people had their eyes closed and we were worshiping. At points in time, we would sing and worship. 
We would sing so loud certain songs, the band would end up singing them. Am I lying? You could sit there and start a Jesus chant. Jesus. We did it a couple times. We thought we were so cool. And people followed. Why? Because they were there to worship, not play games. What does your worship look like before the Lord? Do you kneel? Do you bow? Do you jump? Do you sing? They didn't worship and sing to be seen, but we worship for God to be shown. Big difference. Some of us want to sing on the praise and worship. Want to do this, want to do that, want to do this for God because you want people to see how much talent we have. But God, see, if your worship only shows you and not God, it's worthless. But my worship has to display God in me. Satan fell because pride was in him. Some of the most attacked people in the church are the worship leaders because Satan wants to have pride rise up in their hearts. When God is not the focus of worship, it's because we are the focus of our worship. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshipped. The more we worship God, the more he's reflected in us. The more he increases, the more we decrease before him. Amen? The more important God becomes, the less important worshiping ourselves becomes. Sin is the worship and glorification of self, for we, this, we fulfill self's desires rather than God. So if you could sum up sin in one word, it is worshiping somebody, say myself. Listen to what Paul says. I urge you, brothers, Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act. Somebody say of worship. And then he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you transformed? Through worship, through your spiritual acts of worship. Worship is so important. Lamar Boxman, an evangelist, the great evangelist, said this, when I worship, I would rather that my heart be without words than my words be without heart. I would rather my heart have no words to give to God than to have my words that I do give have no heart, no meaning behind them. And I sing just to sing. I do things just to do them because that's what's expected of me, but there's no heart behind my worship. I think many times that really depicts how we are before the Lord. Sometimes our hearts have words but there is no heart behind the words. I wish you would just be brutally honest with your hearts today and realize that God desires a worship out of you that you might not even know is in you, but he's worthy of it. It's to be from the heart. David said, we said it last week about 12 times, with my whole heart, with my, with my entire being, God, with my whole heart I worship you. With my whole heart, I praise you. Not with some of it, not with a portion, not when I feel good, but with my whole heart. John 4, 23 says, the time is coming, and now it is even here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the other kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Let truth be in your worship, church. When you worship and open your hearts to God, let it be real. Let it be so pertinent. Let it be so full of heart. Let it be so full of passion that when you sing to God, you're telling him, God, with all my heart, I love you. With all my heart. Don't be caught up in the motions of a song. Don't be caught up in the lyrics. Be caught up in the spirit. Let your worship be real. Don't believe the lie. Fake is not the new real. Be real before God. Be real before the presence of his spirit. Be real before him. It's time as worshipers that we gave God everything. But when he's exalted, everything about us is decreased. And so many times... We stand in the way of really stepping into a secret place of worship with God. Abandon everything you know about worship and let it be from the heart. How quickly we forget what worship is all about. We get so strategic that we worship so our churches will grow, but not because God's worthy. But we're doing all this because God's worthy. Not because we want our church to grow. Not because we want people to come. But simply because God is worthy. We were born to make his name famous. I was born to give his name glory. I was born to, to lift up a, a standard of worship within the people of God. Worship uplifts the soul. Psalms, the book of Psalms is not poetry. No, it is songs. Every single one of those scriptures, even the sad ones, are all songs that someone wrote before the Lord. Even the sad ones, the depressing ones, Lord, my enemies are at my throat. I am drowning in a sea of misery, as David writes. No, 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 no. Even that is a song before the Lord. Understand that Isaiah 61.3 says that when you are depressed, that God gives you victory through the garment of praise. 
How many of you know worship brings victory in your life? Every curse and every chain should be broken when you're really giving God true worship. In Joshua chapter 6, it was a shout of praise that brought down the walls of Jericho. It was real worship that did it. In Judges 8, it was a shout and a trumpet blast of worship that led Gideon into a victory. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was outnumbered 5 to 1. And when he inquired of the Lord, God said, send the worshipers after the army. And the Bible says they began to worship and they began to sing and that the enemy destroyed themselves. And all he had to do was go pick up the gold and the jewelry and the plunder from the army. In Acts chapter 16, understand, Paul and Silas were imprisoned unjustly in chains. And at midnight, yes, at midnight, they began to praise and worship God. Though it was the darkest time of night, it represents a new day. And victory was given to them. Chains fell off their hands when worship was erected in the house of God. Don't talk to others about who is coming against you. Talk to God and just worship him. In Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers were about to throw him into a pit and kill him. And his brother named Judah said, listen, what does it profit us if we kill him? And so they sold him into slavery. And you're saying, Pastor, where's the worship there where Judah means praise? And sometimes praise will get you away from death. And sometimes it may not lead you to where you want to be, but that slavery put Joseph on the road to destiny. You may not like where you're at in the midst of your worship, but you should still worship God. You may not like what you have to do with worship, but you should still worship God. Praise and worship isn't just corporate, it's also personal. The greatest quote I ever heard about praise and worship came from my friend, Pastor Victor Ronquillo. He was actually a graduate of Christ for the Nations, came from a 5,000-member megachurch in in uh, Houston, Texas, and he actually works for Pastor John Moratori in Calvary Life in Cheshire. And when I asked him, when he came to the worship team to speak to us, the greatest thing I've ever heard about worship, he said, what happens in worship is from the overflow of your personal prayer life. Maybe you missed that. What happens in worship is from the overflow of your personal prayer life. You have no prayer life. You have no nothing. It's going to be hard for you to come in and just worship God. Because you haven't communicated with him. He doesn't even know your problem. That's why some people want to come into worship and start praying. No, 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 no. It's not about prayer time. It's worship time. It's time to give God. Not to petition God. All because he's worthy. The Bible commands us to worship God with music. You're not here to be consumers of worship but producers of worship, each and every one of you. You are a praise and worship leader in your own home. In your car, you're a praise and worship leader. You may not have the best voice. You may sound like an elephant giving birth when you sing, but still, God says to worship him. You may sound like somebody off of Sesame Street. You may sound like Kermit the Frog. You may sound like you've been smoking cigarettes for 30 years, have the worst vocals. You may sound horrible, but to God, it's music. To God, it's worship. And we are here to be rather producers of worship, not consumers. We're here to lift our hands. We're here to give God praise. We're here to corporately worship God, to privately worship God. At the end of the day, here's the deal. He's worthy whether you praise him or not. Whether you get up out your seat or you don't, heaven's still about worship. You can't change that. Truth is still truth even if you reject it. Anybody here with me today? Every Sunday, you have an opportunity to display the worth of God in such a capacity that his name is lifted and made famous throughout the city. It's my heart's desire as a pastor, we focus so much on a worship team, not because we want to get great or sound good, but because we desire to start a culture of worship in this place. That when people come in, they're shouting to God, worshiping God. We desire to see a church on fire for God, following God's commands that we truly display his worth in our worship, that broken hearts receive healing in worship, that where depression has to flee because hope is rising through our worship, where sinners know they can become saints because forgiveness is proclaimed, because a, a culture of radical worship is taking place in a church. Let the worshipers arise in this church and change the culture. Let us open our mouths and not be afraid to declare God's goodness in the land of the living. Church, he is worthy whether you give it to him or not. 
We've turned worship into music, into something we do because we love, not because we love the one being worshipped. The story of this large, large church in England, and the name of the church was Soul Survivor. And it's a very large church, and the senior pastor of this church, they were experiencing a, a musical outpouring where God was superbly anointing their music, but after a certain amount of time, the worship became stale, and the worship became routine. And so here you have this huge church producing albums, and their praise and worship pastor was a man by the name of Matt Redmond. Maybe some of you might know that name. He's a famous Christian artist, Matt Redmond, and he was always singing these songs and singing great worship before God. But God spoke to the pastor, and he said, listen, the worship has become routine. I'm talking about this church had one of the best musical departments in all of England. And what the pastor did next changed the future of this church forever. He actually went into the praise and worship team practice one day, and he said, listen, no more worship. They looked at him like he was crazy. He walked up to the altar. He took the guitars. He took the microphones. He took the cables. He completely emptied the entire altar, took the drum set, took everything. He said, worship is not about music solely. You've lost the purpose of worship. You've lost the purpose. You've missed the point that it was about God and not about you. Now you come to sound good and look good, but God says, it's about me. The first Sunday when they began to worship, it was the most awkward feeling. Matt Redman, rather, records this in one of his, his online blogs. It was a very uncomfortable feeling. No one knew what to do. People standing around. There was no music now. He said at first it was awkward and people were just praying and then songs began to come out a cappella. And he said little by little the church began to worship like never before. There was no music, but he said it was some of the most beautiful worship that was ever created. And from that he wrote this song that many of you might know and it's called The Heart of Worship. And in this song the first verse declares when the music fades and all is stripped away. And when I simply, by myself, when I simply come, he said, when everything is stripped away, he said, I'm longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. It wasn't, it was not about making himself feel good. He said, I'll bring you more than just a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. For God, you search much deeper within. And through the way things appear, he wrote, you're looking into my heart. Many of you know the chorus. He said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for all the things that I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you. Come on, stand with me. It's all about you. Tell them it's all about you. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's all about you. It's all about you in Jesus' name. It's all about you. Come on, tell them right now. It's all about you, Lord. Father, we just come into your presence this afternoon God God desiring God to return to the heart of worship Father speak to our hearts God come on you know church with your head bowed and your eyes closed it is my heart's desire to return to the heart of even my worship. Sometimes as a pastor, I lose track of what's important, and what's important is just simply God. Sometimes as an usher, you might get so busy, you forget to worship God. Maybe as a sound guy, Rick, you forget to worship God. Maybe as a worshiper on the team, you forget to actually really worship God. But today, God is crying out from the heavens that his church will return to the heart of our worship.
Come on, if you're with me today, just lift your hand. I want to return to the heart of my worship, God. Not because I like a song, not because it sounds great, God, but because you're worthy. I've made it so much about me. I've made it about what I need. I've made it about my pains, my hurts. But God, in reality, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Father, be in the midst of our worship. Come on, tell them. But when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. Come on, longing just to bring. Longing just to bring. Come on, tell them something. Something that's a word that will bless you. I mean it. Tell him, I'll bring you more. I'll bring you more, God. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. Here's not what you have required. Come on, tell him, you search, you search a lot. You search much deeper within. Come on, through the way. Forget who's around you. Tell them, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart, God.
God, let a culture of worship begin to fashion itself within these four walls, God. It's all about you in this place, God. God, bring us back to what it's about, which is your presence, your name, your glory, God. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. God, we would shout unto your name. We would sing your praise, God. We worship you, God. It's all about you, Lord. We just worship you, God. It's all about you. We just worship you. Come on, that's right. That's right. Begin to worship you. Oh, we lift up our voices, God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. about what I can get, but just because you're worthy, it's all about you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. It's all about you. Come on. It's going to worship him in your own words right now. We thank you, Father. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Take a moment right now. Just talk to him right now in your own words. Just give him a personal worship right now. In your own words, God, I love you. God, you're worthy. I magnify your name. I exalt you right now. I love you, Father God. Help me to return to the heart of what it is about, God. It's about you, God. I come here to honor you, God. I come here to draw close to you. I come here to draw near to you, God. And I worship you with all my heart, with my whole heart, God. I worship you, God. With my whole heart, God, I worship you, God. God, it's all about you in my life, God. Because I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you. You know, many times you hear in many churches they try and compel you to praise and worship God and they tell you that your victory is in your worship but they tell you for all the wrong reasons for the reason that your victory is in your worship is because as you worship God begins to come unto you and he becomes one with you in your worship and he marries your spirit in worship and when that happens all that you desire dies all that you care about dies and your will becomes God's will his way becomes your way all your situations cease in the eyes of God and in your own personal eyes because God works all things out when you join him in worship because I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about problems are fading right now. Come on, God's working them out right now. Financial issues, God's working them out right now. Relationship issues, God's breaking free right now. Addictions, God's breaking them right now. Come on, as you draw close to him in worship. Back to the Come on, as you worship, become one with him.
on, celebrate him right now.